and a warm welcome to this episode of the PPC Chat Roundup, a podcast where I round up the Twitter discussion that happens on Tuesdays at 5 p.m. GMT. I'm your host, Anu. I'm recording here from my studio here in London, UK, and I use this platform to share not just expert, but also my ideas and considered best practices about paid media and the direction the digital industry is going in. So if you want to keep up to date with my tips and tricks in the industry and get the latest on the podcast that has been called your go-to if you don't make it to the PPC chat discussions, and even if you do, then like, follow, share, and retweet on Twitter with my handle, The Marketing Anu, or join us on our LinkedIn group, which is the PPC Chat Roundup Podcast. Or if you're on Instagram, check our profile out as well, which is at PPC Chat underscore roundup to get quotes and snippets and memes and gifts that I find funny. But yeah, mostly quotes and snippets from our previous episodes. It's also a delight to share that this podcast is sponsored by Opteo. They are a complete toolkit for Google Ads managers. Opteo continuously monitors Google Ads accounts for, for statistically significant patterns. When something comes up, Opteo will suggest an improvement that can be pushed live to your Google Ads account in a few seconds. So it makes your Google Ads very profitable. So it's not just about pushing spend like you know who. Um, so yeah, join the likes of Spotify, Deliveroo, Selfridges, Etsy, and many more other thousands of very happy clients to see how Opteo can help your business do more with Google Ads why don't you check out this unique link, which is opteo.com forward slash PPC chat for a 60 day free trial. And it's not 30 day, like this landing page might be saying. So it's definitely a 60 day free trial. Cause yeah, who doesn't like a try before you buy offer? Today, we are led again by the awesome Julie Bicini, but she's also joined by an expert in our topic. Uh, his name is William Harris. He's a new name to me. I don't know about you guys, but yeah, we always love new members of our team. There are loads of experts in the field. But not only is Julie joined by William Harris, I am also joined by a special guest on the episode. His name is Edgar. He is one of my fellow top 25 most influential PPC experts, as decided by PPC Hero and you guys, all our listeners, all the amazing people who have been following us on our journey. Edgar, welcome. Please introduce yourself to our listeners. Hi, Anu. And first of all, congrats on being in this amazing list. Among Thank you. Other, Likewise, top info influencers. This is. I'm very, very humble to yeah. be on this list. My name is Edgar Spivak, coming from Israel, talking like in a 30 second. So, I co-founded uh, Fixel, which is an AI machine learning uh, solution to uh, identify user engagement. The company last year was acquired by Logic, public company in the US. Now we're building amazing like DSP that already make amazing results. I have the privilege to be in this PPC hero list for 2021. I wrote with my partner Yaron a bestseller book in Hebrew, Marketing in the Digital Era. I managed campaign in millions of dollars, hands-on. I trained thousands of PPC marketers. I'm also a mentor in Techstars. We were an alumni in Fixel, and now I'm humbled to be a mentor in this incredible entrepreneurship program. I think that in the recent years in Fixel, we not only work to sell the product, but to honestly be the trusted advisor mm. for a huge variety of marketers from B2B 
a lot of B2C e-commerce focus mainly on performance. I work with advertisers from small ones that spend tens of thousands of dollars up until advertisers that spend hundreds of thousands of dollars a day. So I'm luckily to see what really happened a bit beyond and those amazing promises. Lovely. Yeah, it's amazing to hear those that many years of experience and really lovely to hear like the book you published in Hebrew because many books that have been written in English and for the English market. And we forget that there are some local markets, there are some non-English speaking professionals in the field that are also hunger and hungry for the, you know, knowing about paid search and knowing about marketing and how to do it better. So yeah, very lovely. Is the book going to be translated to English? Has that um, been done yet? It's actually something we strongly consider for the next version. Okay. I really, I really hope it will be during 2022. Don't want to promise it's <laughs> much more work than writing of a blog course. post. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> and it was an amazing journey. Like we did three versions in Hebrew. And, wow. But we definitely strongly consider uh, having this one also in English. Okay. Fantastic. Well, it's great that it's, it's Hebrew first. I'd love to be able to offer my assistance on it, but unfortunately, I do not understand a word of Hebrew. So I'm not even going to pretend that I can. Uh, I will work. Any help? <laughs> and once we'll have the English version, I promise that you will get a personal copy. Yes. Yes. I would. I'm eagerly awaiting that. Thank you. I'll. I'll hold you to that. I'll hold you to that. Let's get into our chats today. And yeah, Edgar, I'm going to come to you first in terms of this question. Julie starts by asking us, are you at all familiar with the term MER? I'll change the question for you because I know you are familiar with MER. (laughs) How familiar are you with it? Has it changed since how you experienced it? We were talking earlier on about how you feel like it's a metric that has been around for ages, but just have been called something different. And now it's called MER. What's your thoughts on MER as a whole? So first, as you mentioned in in your previous chat, the reality is that we as an industry, we really, really like to have our own unique initials. This is something that we grade in. Yeah, we have. People called it before ROI. And they called it Eros, and it have a lot of phrases. The meaning of mirror, it's eventually taking everything that you make and divide it by all the ad spend that you have in this period. And was I profitable or not? Well, which is really similar. It makes sense. I think it have a lot of advantages and disadvantages. When you like the PPC chat, you brought up this topic, this fantastic topic of the Ross versus mirror. Mm. It is something that I try like before this meeting to sit with myself and to say like, what is the right answer? So mm. like the very simple answer is it depends. Of course. Yes. That's one of it our depends. favorite phrases and in this industry. It depends. <laughs> it depends. But I really hope that, that during this uh, podcast, we can shed a light on and explain to the listeners mm. when we should measure us because the Ross have it on advantages. Yeah. When we should look at the mirror, when none of them is relevant. That makes sense. So given William Harris's answer himself, he introduces himself saying, He's the founder of Element, so E-L-U-M-Y-N-T.com, a growth agency for e-commerce. 
They've helped seven of their clients get acquired and sold the largest for about $800 million. He's an author at Entrepreneur, Fast Company, Shopify, and many others. So yeah, someone that yeah definitely knows what he's doing, but he didn't quite go into what MER is right now. Let, But yeah, we get some answers from some of our experts, especially like Julia Weiss going, um, not this nomenclature, but the concept, yes, it feels like digital only or small scale MMM studies. And Sonica goes as well, new to me and excited to learn more. So yeah, quite a new to quite a few people. And for those who don't know it at all, Edgar, I'll come to you again. Like, is it something to be a little bit nervous about? Is it a, a metric that everybody should be using? First of all, yes, because the mayor, when we try to understand, this is a metric that can show us uh, how much we spend uh, versus how much money did we gain, which is yeah. very simple. I think when we try to understand the mayor, we have to understand, like, I think that most of the listeners of those podcasts know what is Ross. Everyone, yes, are, uh, I want Ross, I want Ross, I want Mayor even. But we have to put both of them in the right context. Yeah. Because the Ross is the, like the leading metric that we see in Google and Facebook in most of the ad platform. The ads platform, we can see it inside the Google Analytics when we import some data or in Supermetrics, or in, in, in our data studio. But we have to understand and to make the distinguish between what really happened in the ROS and what really happened in the mirror, and then how it all uh, sum up. Because if I look on the ROS, on like going backward, then first of all, every platform like to show what it's comfortable for her. The Facebook, you know, you have less control on the attribution window. Yeah. In many cases, we see like this amount in Facebook and this amount in the Shopify, yeah. in, in the Shopify or in the CRM. And we have tons of duplicates. The attribution problem. <laughs> yeah, maybe we don't get into the attribution problem because that's a whole another two-hour podcast episode, I'd even say. Two hours, if you can sum it up in, the, in two hours, it will be amazing. <laughs> but we can just say that today we're talking about seven days. Uh, both okay. in Google Analytics, both in Facebook. Mm. The tracking between devices is being broken and it's mm. going to be much more severe when Chrome going to launch their sandbox and their privacy changes during 2023. Yeah. Yeah. What happened if we are a lead marketer? What happened when we have number of source for the same lead? Mm. Yeah. Who get the credit for this? Yeah. What happened like with an advertiser that run a lot of a bottom of the funnel and top of the funnel campaign? So in the ROAS is a problem. This is something that is super comfortable for us as marketer to present. I'm coming from the services. My background is a service side. Yeah. It's always great to have great ROAS, but what happened if the product was in a huge discount? Yes, you're going to get fantastic ROAS, but how much money did this e-commerce store make? Mm. I think that the ROAS, and this is something, it's become relevant when, in the cases, when we have very, very short journey of the client, which is less than seven days, with a single touch point. Yeah. I think that in this scenario, the ROAS like, is good. And we also see a struggle in the ROAS on what is the platform that we measure. 
Do we measure the ROAS on the CRM, on the Google Analytics? Do we measure it on the ad platforms such as Facebook, Twitter, Google, Outbrain, Tabula, Verizon, and other? Yeah, yeah. I think that when we talk about the mayor, our main topic here, the key challenges in the mayor that I saw, we call it eROS back then in the history. Yeah. eROS or the ROI. The key problem, which is great when you present the reporting to the management and then, you know, or, or you make a summary of campaign, the mayor, which is right, you know, because if I had like some TV ads and then I had search campaign for the brand, of course, the search campaign for the brand didn't make 400x or us. It just was like the way of the client to reach to the right landing page. Yeah. But the problem, the struggle that I think that I had as a service provider mm. with the mayor, that is wasn't really actionable metrics. Sure. Because the mayor, like the Ross, like during campaign, when you see, and for example, two channels running on retargeting ads, running on data, and you can say this one works like in Facebook, this one works better, let's give, let's allocate more budget dollar for this one. Mm. And the ROS is much more actionable, even if it's not accurate. As accurate as before. And the mayor, we see it, you know, we can take like two different offers. So in this case, the mayor will be right. Yeah. Or we can take two time periods. So we can yeah. say this one gave us this mayor, this one gave us this mayor. Yeah. But when we work, when we want to optimize our media, assuming that it takes a lot of time between the impression especially if this is more than seven days between the impression to the actual action, such as uh, sending the client their details, filling a lead or making a purchase, it's less actionable. So we need to have both. This is the reality, okay. uh, at least on my perspective. Okay, that's cool. From the looks of it, yeah, it's similar to what other people are saying that Dan Patterson goes, I think I first heard it here on PPC chat a few months ago, seems like a smart metric but I haven't incorporated it into reports yet. So similar to what you're saying, it sounds smart, but actionable, uh, it's a bit difficult. And just in case I didn't say it earlier on, sorry, guys, MER stands for Media Efficiency Ratio. So that's Media Efficiency Ratio. Julie replies to her question saying, I have become familiar with the term MER as it has been all over the place in the last four to six months. So quite new. I've always felt attribution was composed at least partly in wishes and fairy dust. So I like seeing new metrics that take more into account. So yes, exactly. The kind of things that you're talking about, it's all that part of the attribution discussion. Richard Fergie as well goes, I thought MER was either an old metric or a new name for an old concept from back in the days before granular reporting was available or possible. Yeah, William goes, MER is a great way to level set things without getting in the weeds on attribution. So yeah, it's very much similar to the, the you know, the thought processes of attribution. Dog, the way I would just add, I think that the right way to measure the MER this is something we also want, like I will give you a hint, like in the book, to find the coin, the right name, because the right way to measure the MER is to find the incremental MER. Yeah. Because when I work for brand, for example, the brand already have this brand selling $5 million a month. And with this campaign, we sold in 10. So this brand, anyhow, going to have this $5 million. So do we calculate, hey, we, uh, we need to take our uh, media dollars, 
to divide it from the $10 million or from the five. Yeah. Because the MER take ownership for all the income. Yeah. And for a lot of brands, even if you spend $0, they have their uh, all the social media ch- channels. You can spend zero or only brand and still make a lot of money mm-hmm. because you have your old newsletter subscribers and the people that actually want your brand. Yeah. So one of the problems in the mayor is that we taking ownership as the marketers for revenue that we didn't really generate. Yeah. Yeah, but then that's what the attribution is always trying to figure out, which one should take credit. As in some people actually took part in it that might have generated, might not generate. And yeah, it's a difficult journey because whether we like it or not, the path to conversion is not simple anymore. You know, you don't just see an ad on your Facebook and then purchase. It's got to be repeated on TV or outdoor or somewhere else on a website that you're visiting or a friend recommending. Where does the friend recommending, where does the fund behind friend recommendation come into place as well? All of that takes a part into it. I think we also have a very interesting answer from Doug R. Thomas, who goes, MER is used in contrast to ROAS. MER is a more blended version of ROAS used to smooth out attribution to be able to give a first step towards a full media mix model, typically focused on digital ads only. And yeah, I'd say that that might be where it's actually lacking a bit. The fact that it is only focusing on digital. How about the non-digital channels? Dave Galigwas then goes as well saying, yes, as I follow a ton of e-commerce marketers, but less useful for me in healthcare as the total sale amount is variable to the insurance. So a little more delay before I can get the right numbers. Again, these kind of numbers really only works well depending on the industry you're in. We also have Lawrence Chase going, yes, but the name is new. The philosophy is to measure all of the media instead of the single channel. Andrew McGarry goes, yes, from the Foxwell Facebook group, been meaning to dig into it more. So yeah, definitely loads of different agencies have talked about it and different people who write about it have mentioned it. And I know that the first person I heard from it, heard that phrase about was from Dwayne Brown, and he's definitely talked about MER. Julie then goes on to us saying, are you currently tracking MER and or ROAS in your accounts? Why are you using the method that you're using? I think you might have touched upon that, um, Edgar. You said earlier on that ROAS is more actionable. So are you, guys, are you doing any MER measurement or are you guys still sticking? I will say, you know, when we work, we just, you know, call it in different names. Yeah. And, you know, we had always how this metrics of spend, of uh, revenue by spend, which always uh, was there. Mm. But I think the ROAS, yes, I use, but I use ROAS on a very specific scenarios. Okay. For example, I use ROAS, and like I said, if I take two retargeting campaign in Facebook, like two uh, users on the same stage in their funnel, like bottom of the funnel, a warm, cold audience promoting the same product on the same platform. In this case, yes, the ROS is great. Yeah. But for example, sometimes I'm running campaign in like Verizon, Outbrain, Tabula, and then I measure all of them in Google Analytics, what's happened after the post click. Yeah. So in this case, yes, the ROS is a fantastic measurement. 
if we have like some, uh, when we want to check keywords for new audiences, yes, the ROS is a great solution. For example, if I'm running like similar in Google and lookalike in Facebook, and I'm measuring only post-click data, yes, the ROS is a great metric. Mm. But we have to understand the ROS is right for us when we're measuring the same audience in a similar way of measurement, because you can't really measure the ROS in Google Analytics to the ROS that you see in, in Facebook. It will be just not relevant. Yeah. By not understanding the way each platform work and uh, how they calculate and how they doing this curse word, this attribution word that we try to be our Voldemort today. <laughs> but, I love the Harry uh, Potter reference. I'm a Harry Potter fan, so yeah. But we do have to measure the ROS in the right places. Yeah, absolutely. But so do you use MER at all at the moment? I use it like uh, when we want to see reporting or we want to sum up a campaign. Okay. I coming from very like performance and, and taking it into strategy. Okay. I think that the right measure when we want to understand our performance will be the LTV to CAC. Yeah. The, the, the lifetime value versus the customer acquisition cost, oh. which I think is much more relevant because everyone talking about revenue and in the reality, people want to be profitable. Yeah. So talking about ROS in, in e-commerce, you know, again, like the example that I gave you earlier, if I took like, you know, a product, I waive 50% of this price. Yes, I will get a better ROS. But does the seller will make more profit? The ROS, it's like the reality. What happened with e-commerce brands? And I can promise you, people talk in conferences and they talking about their customer journey and how they measuring it using the most sophisticated enterprise tools. I work with all of them from small brands and agencies up to the large holding companies. What's happening in the reality, both for the mayor and for the Ross, the platforms mainly look on the revenue and not on the profit. Yeah. It's not focused on the margin. It's really, especially in the e-commerce, when lots of businesses struggle with the return of the item and the cost of the return. How to calculate this LTV, which is another podcast that, uh, that yeah. we can have. Yeah, and uh, someone actually brought that up. Julia Weiss, like when replied to Dave Galigua's hair, where Dave had said that, yeah, it's less useful for him as he works in healthcare. But Julia said to that, oh, you need MER for annual spend planning, but LTV across years for customer acquisition modeling. So yeah, insurance can be a beast. So yeah, always something to be looked at in terms of the whole picture, the whole different media levels, lifetime value and customer acquisition. And that, that can make MER useful for any industry. By the way, if you talked about like the healthcare, and I think a measurement that a lot of B2B marketers missing, and I hope there are some B2B marketers that do listen to us right now. In a huge variety of cases, in a B2B, the cost of the sales team is much higher than the cost of the media. Mm. And when we calculate our cost of acquisition, we have to blend in the salary of this 300 to 500K senior salesman. We can't ignore this cost. 
Yeah. 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 And um, so, yeah, we've got then Sean replying to question one um, saying, yes, still working to get clients up to speed and convinced, but we have been reporting on similar metrics for a while. So it's not a huge leap. Andrew as well replies saying, same due to Q4, I've not yet had time to lock down the right frame to explain the value prop easily enough. If we can't explain value easily and simply, it will be rejected as a concept. Yeah, people understand Verus more than anything else. William then refers to the article he wrote, you know, a 7,000 word with images on how it affects direct, organic, etc. And he gives a link to that, which will be available on the official PPC chat website. So guys, please check that out as well. Continue that conversation because I think it gets very interesting here. And yeah, William goes, that's the hard part, getting clients used to looking at it differently. And Sean replies, yeah, this is the real tough part as they are so used to being so focused on ROAS. This past year, I have had to explain the relationship between ROAS and profits so many times. And this is just one more step, ongoing education. Julie then replies to that saying, and how ROAS relies on conversion data being accurate in a timely manner. And yeah, Julie Vice joins the conversation saying it doesn't help that acronyms get trendy. You can accidentally give the impression that the ROAS thingy we all talked about for years is no longer good when actually it's just another piece of the puzzle. Give clients time and room to adjust. So yeah, people are just, we just, sometimes we throw too many acronyms at clients and it just takes, it's, we need to give them time to understand the new acronym and how it fits in with all the other ones they understand before so that they don't feel like they're dealing with so many different things. Brett also says, uh, replies to this question saying, growing more familiar each and every day, being that I work with William Harris as well. So one of the things that really helped make the metric click for me was when he used cake as an example in a podcast. And yeah, Brett shares a link to a podcast. Now, Dwayne Brown, as I expected him to be part of this conversation, saying, yes, we are, since our agency is 80% e-com and DTC brand work. And DTC is direct to consumer brands. So going to like question two as to whether people track MER as well, William goes, we track MER as well as ROAS, as well as A ROAS and P ROAS. Which one is A ROAS? Is that attribution ROAS? That's a new metric to me. But let's not get distracted from the main focus. The key thing to realize is that the platforms aren't truly reporting on ROAS. Oh, I wonder what he means by that, that they're not really reporting on ROAS. But then going continue with what William says that yeah he said we track MER as well and yeah and ROAS is a lie I go into that in more detail in this video he shares a lot of resources here which will be shared as well he goes we use the blend of these different methods so we can better triangulate the actual effectiveness of ad spend ROAS still has a use it's just not measuring what you think it's measuring so you need to adjust how you use it so yeah Loads of things are changing these days. But I think how ROAS was in when I started this journey, like about 10, 12 years ago, it's definitely different now. Shonelli replies to question two as well, saying report on ROAS by platform and total ROAS also report on total revenue and percentage of that form of our campaigns. This is the next step to incorporate 
Julia Vice goes, that's a hard sort of for me. Food traffic has an agreed on average value and we report from there, but it's far from exact. We then bake in sales data and broadcast data after the fact. It's quite a few inputs. Yeah, there's lots to be considered in there. I'm going to take us to question three now. And Julie asks, is MER something you are interested in using in your accounts? Why or why not? And for you, Edgar, how I'll approach that question is that do you have a little bit of backlash when or have you ever needed to convince a client, convince people as to using MR and have there been any challenges in actually proving that it's the right way to go? I think it was, and we always talk about it again with the different initials, but yes, we always talk how much we spend, how much we get because if you're running offline ads, you're running radio ads, you're running billboards, how do you check the impact of the billboards on the people who search your brand? Just as an example, because you can say, yes, I have a lot of food traffic. I have a lot of brand search, but it came because a lot of people saw this billboard. They saw the TV ad and they saw the YouTube ad that they didn't click. So definitely, yes, we did look at, but I think that again, my background is the performance. Yeah. And it's really easy when you sit in the boardroom. And, you know, once like before the COVID, people actually met for, for those meetings. Mm. And now it's much age nicer that you can do it in Zoom. But sitting in those boardrooms, presenting the results of the campaign and talking about this is what we gain in this campaign versus what we spend. Mm. The total. Yeah. We just call it ROI back then before even the EROS. Yeah. So yes, we definitely use it and it was much simpler. I think that the ROS is a tactical solution that relevant for the campaign manager, for the hands-on team. It's not a strategic measurement because it doesn't tell a big story. It tells a tactical, small story for the team that need to optimize the media. It's really not more than this. And using the ROS only, it's almost impossible to scale and to take your business or the businesses that you promote into new levels. Interesting. And um, yeah, that's interesting thought there. Then, yeah, we've got Julie advice there replying to Julie's answer because Julie had talked about you know, feeling like ROAS and MER are better suited to e-commerce, where our sales come more quickly and at a higher volume. She says it's trickier to track any kind of return on spend in short windows with leads gen. And Julia Vice goes, definitely not easy to do with awareness or behavior campaigns like we do with public sector. We might not even find out if we got what we wanted until a year later. So yeah, when you've got long sales cycle, like Melissa Mikiha says, and multiple touch points, it makes ROAS tough. So that's she, that's someone coming from a B2B point of view, as, as you were saying earlier on. Yeah, B2B is, is something that would be highly affected by this as well. William replies to question three saying the obvious answer for me is yes, but I'm curious about what all of you think and I'll do my best to weigh in where I can. Julia Weiss goes, yes, it's a really good way of understanding the whole channel balance and not just the one magic tactic. Silver bullet thinking will not work often at all. Doug R. Thomas goes, I use the equivalent of MER for our e-commerce account, but it's definitely challenging because logistics are different between, say, website sales 
and Amazon. So for you, Edgar, what do you think is the better, the channels that will use, I'll find MER more useful, whether it's B2B or B2C, or, or do you think? I think in the strategic, in both of them, but I'm still an old fashioned and I still, when we try to look on the, like on the quarterly level, then seeing much more, there are two key factors that I like to look. First mm. is the CAC by LTV, the LTV yeah. by CAC. Yeah. What is the profit for each client versus how much it, does it cost me to acquire, like taking, and by the way, in the CAC, what I like to add into this mix is the cost of the agency, the cost of the production, because if I pay for a very expensive production that was amazing, it might mm. have been and it might haven't, but if I pay a 50K for a video production, you have to blend it in. And if I took influencers to post the original organic content on my Instagram, how do you feed the, them in there? Mm. And what happened with the cost of the sales channel? Sales, SDR, this is in the B2B. So looking on this, what is the lifetime value that this product or service generate for me? And I think that the metric that I really, really like, I call it like the marginal CAC. Okay. Which means what is the cost of acquiring the last client? And then to make LTV divided by this MCAC, marginal CAC. And this is a magic number that I saw because mm -hmm. in many businesses, this is mainly in the B2B, but it also happened in the B2C. You have already have your followers and the people that know you, your low-hanging fruit, and you have a very, very low CAC. Yeah. You go, you run some search campaign, some for competitors, some for the brand, some for generic keyword, and then you get a very, very low CAC. Now you want to scale. Now you mm -hmm. run for those audiences. And again, you reach the limit. Now you run campaign, which is more expensive. Now... Focusing on those channels, when I see and when I analyze a business, I'm asking, does the LTV, the lifetime value of the average client, and when I divided it to the cost of my most expensive client, is it bigger than one? If it's bigger than one, and if it's two, three, four, I see here a sustainable business that have a huge potential to grow. Mm. Because talking about even like in the customer acquisition cost, it include organic uh, traffic, it include the brand searches. Um, and if this is like not on a huge volume, then those very low hanging fruit make a dramatic impact on the way that we calculate our CAC. Yeah. So talking about what is the CAC for the last campaign, the most expensive one, and when the LTV is higher than this one, we are in a great form for growing our business or growing the client business. Yeah, absolutely. Some very interesting points there. And when you're talking about taking agency costs into consideration, it brought me to this thread that Doug R. Thomas started off where he did say that, yeah, he uses a lot more lead gen than e-commerce. So he does like talking about blended CPA from digital because it takes into account non-media spends like SEO, retainer, website cost, et cetera. Harder at the agency level because of agency reasons, 
let's politely say. Julie goes, you mean they don't want the client thinking too hard about how those agency fees factor in the profitability? And Andrew replies to that saying, agency, everything is automated now, machine learning, et cetera. So pay us to drive your self-driving car for the next few years. Agency models need a rethink. I totally agree with that. And um, a friend has been saying that as well. And so, yeah, strategy should be the sellable asset management model has no future. Dan Patterson goes, that was a big takeaway for us in 2020. We had to let agencies go because travel stopped with months to really dig in and get dirty. I learned how automated things really are now and don't need management anymore. And William replies, fair point, Dan, but I can promise you that if you just set it to be automated versus someone that's thoughtfully managing the accounts, the right people will smash the automation. Yeah, automation is not just set it and forget it and, you know, anything that can be automated. There will still definitely be need for people to look at what that automation is doing. Dan replies, yes, I fully agree with that. But the question that it comes down to is that does there need to be a full agency or go with an in-house? Changes the conversation from what it used to be. And William replies, it can still be either. They both have pros and cons. Speaking as an agency owner, of course, <laughs> that's no surprise there. I'm convinced that in-house teams get outfoxed in the medium term because they don't get exposed to enough different situations. I must say, yeah, that is one thing I did really enjoy about the start of my career, working on multiple of different kind of accounts and getting learnings from different ways of doing things. So yeah, there's a lot to digest there as well. And Julia Vice goes, kidding, of course, we're totally fully transparent, but there are shady folks out there. And that's literally just to talk about profitability and agents as well. Sean Ellie then gives his answer to question three saying, yes, especially as we get more clients onto Facebook, we had been doing mostly Google or Bing for e-com and generally small orders. So attribution wasn't as bad for us as most everyone else, was either um, to use and trust ROAS or profit. Um, we've got Dwayne Brown replying, the hardest part is always just explaining it to clients who are used to another way of looking at success. Education takes time. Julie replies, yes, I'm interested in it conceptually. I think most of the way the return or profitability of paid search or social ads have been calculated or even thought of has been messed up for well ever. Yeah, calculating numbers and metrics. We've not been doing that whole data. We've been, a lot of agencies push the whole data-driven, data-driven, but how are they actually measuring the data? Uh, I'm a little bit concerned about it. We'll go on to question four now, where Julie is asking, goes into a little bit of a app world and Apple and those guys. And she asks, is ROAS becoming more difficult to track in accounts since attribution has gotten murkier with iOS 14.5 or Apple's ATT? If you're finding this so, how are you handling this? Edgar, what do you think? Well, I'm really, really trying to focus on the, like, on the ROAS and the measurement and not the attribution. But, yeah. <laughs> but it's really, really hard. You know, you just brought up in this chat, like I think you know, like content for for like five different episodes. We can talk absolutely. Like, this is the, a very the, 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 like the Google Performance Max and the Facebook Conversion Plus, and about the agency model and where it's need to yeah. be and yeah. so on. But I think that talking about apps and and if you saw the news, I think from last week that Facebook announced they're going to support 
the Android default. Yeah. So eventually, even like if we have the hope for the Android users, so it's going to be like on both of them. I think that in a way, it will force us to go for this mayor or ROI or EROS because they're taking us the ROS that is so nice and we don't need to think, you know, we're going, we had some creative and the ROS was great. And, you know, I can sit and, and look on the numbers mm. by understanding the real client journey and what's happening. Because if we see like in the iOS by blocking number of advertisers, number of campaigns, of course, by the way, Apple or personally, if you see what's happening that in the Apple ads report, you know, people, Apple say we did it by uh, for privacy and for the billions yeah. of dollars that they got within Apple ad that surprisingly have less limit than Facebook have. Oh, interesting. Yes. How come? I didn't know that. <laughs> yes, you know, it's like, you know, that. for the sake of the privacy and a bit for our RM and for our own margin. <laughs> so it's really easy, you know, like just seeing the Apple reports, like what happened with their ads business. Yeah. A huge yeah. jump because the Facebook became less relevant. Yeah. And we're going to see it like with all the app ads. My concerns as a marketer is that, that once Apple launched their PCM, and mm. Google with their sandbox or whatever name of technology they will have, we will see the same for the web. Yeah. And okay. I think it's talking about what we're seeing now in Apple ads is the very, very near future for all the ads. Interesting. All and of them. Apple are the ones leading the way with all what our ads are going to look like. I think that it's a type of a perfect storm because you have Apple, you have like two, three years ago, you had the GDPR and the CCPA and the regulation in Brazil. Yeah. Going yeah. to see it all around the world. Yeah. We saw what happened in the Congress. It started with the Zuckerberg hearing and yeah. on a monthly yeah. basis, we're yeah. seeing the CEOs. Yeah. We're seeing huge fines and billions of dollars yeah. that the ad platform are getting. I think that marketers need to focus a lot about their messaging, their strategy to go back. I definitely see a lot of going back into a last click to identifying like models that try to predict. I assume we're going to see much more AI around predicting the quality of each click. Like what happened directly after someone saw your ad? Because the relationship, it's already happened in apps. Probably it will be in the web. The relationship between the click that happened from the Facebook ad or Google ad or, or Verizon ad to the purchase going to be broken. Marketers that won't be prepared for this, mm -hmm. train themselves, train their team in what is statistical model yeah. And how do I understand? And how do I yeah. try to predict conversions and lifetime value? This big curve. Yeah. Will, yeah. It won't be relevant in 2023. It's not in the very, very far from here. Not far from here. So it's going to come. And going back to the original questions, yes, like there is no ROS today for apps. This is the problems. We do see MMPs, I think, such as Apps Flyer, for mm. example. Yeah, I know. Trying to help on this. And I think it's really, really depends on 
And we're going to be like the new limits. I assume, you know, when we're going to see like the iOS 16, 17, you saw the limit now on the email. And what happened there? If you see yeah. like in the last version, got no email tracking. Now another industry is going yeah. to have a problem. Yeah. So it's much more about for all the industry, predictive models, what's going to, how can I understand the value? This is like, if I going like even deeper from the ROS, like the value of each click. Yeah. And trying to see a blend of okay. what happened top of the funnel and bottom of the funnel. Interesting. Cool. And then, yeah, we've got Kirk Williams as well, given his response to question three, going, yeah, 100% yes, yes, yes. So that's saying that MER is something he's interested in. We have found it cannot always help avoid the temptation for over-analysis on individual channel marketing tactics and keeps the exec team more focused on a big picture look of what is actually happening across all channels together. But getting into some more answers to question four, we've got Julia Weiss going yes and no. We have agreed on points of truth with our clients, and that has really helped in the ongoing iOS saga. We look at media efficiencies and then measure sales, recall and lift. I kind of love this because clients are so integrated, not just a hit and send. And William agrees with that saying when clients get involved, it allows for much better brainstorming and goal setting. Yeah, it's all about knowing what's good for the business values, not just for the channel. So definitely them being part of the chat of MER is very important. I don't think we get many more answers to question four there, but um, yeah, Julie takes us on to question five saying, what are your biggest challenges when it comes to tracking and or reporting on things like ROAS or MER in your accounts? You probably touched upon a, a bit of that. I remember there was a yeah. mention about challenges, but in a short snippet, just do like a quick summary. What's your main challenge, the highlight of your main challenge? So, so if we see like what's happening in the big picture, so most of the advertisers have a variety of channels. Some of them are online, some of them are offline. Our ability as an advertiser to isolate mm. a specific campaign within a specific channel is soon to be impossible. People will try to bypass this, Facebook and Google like on the browser, uh, sorry, Apple and Google on the browser will find a way to block it. And this situation is going to be much more severe. We're seeing Facebook and Google trying to build us an automated solution, such as the performance max, such as the conversion plus with the automatic audience expansion that can work in, in scale, but most of the advertisers that want to use those platforms for scale don't succeed. Mm-hmm. Why they don't succeed? They don't succeed because we're looking only on revenue and not about profit. We're not looking on the data of the returns. And we're not calculating the LTV, just summarizing. Huge gaps in, impl- in implementing the CRM data into Facebook and Google. Google talk about Capi and NSST still see huge brands struggling with implementing properly with a high accuracy their CRM data into Facebook. So it's like, if you're a small company, you don't really know to do it. If you're a huge company, what happened is that you go and you implement the Capi, just as an example. And then by the time that you finish implementing the Capi, you have a new definition. So it's an ongoing solution that will be solved in three years when there won't be a cap year, there will be a different solution. 
I will say I work with hundreds of brands in the recent years. I think I can count on one hand. They are that like talking on e-commerce and, and channel and advertiser do have some brands. You know, if you're doing like direct lead gen, yes, Ross is good because one click and one after another. But when you talk about e-commerce, when you want to scale, most of the advertisers say they're measuring. And when you're going to, uh, with them into the details, you see that those measurements just not right. Being very, very gentle. Yeah. On yeah. Okay. Interesting. So yeah, we've got Sean Ellie replying to question four though, going to say not as much as most of our clients are Google and Bing and tend to be quick purchase items. It has gotten worse, but not as bad as I'm seeing for others. But yeah, some of our other answers to question five do come in here from Julia Vice. She goes, integrating sales data. We really don't have clients who are ready to go on in-platform reporting. So the time and effort needed to create these full program reports, it's still a chore, but it sure does bring us together, rolling up our sleeves. William Harris then gives his answer saying the biggest challenge to using MER is being more thoughtful about how you run tests. You can't just shotgun things like a lot of people do. You need to set up a true testing approach, make sure all channels are aligned and then measure the test correctly. Dan Patterson replies saying, I can see it becoming a bit of a rabbit hole. Do we include this expenses or that expense? Seems like it could get a little crazy to compile if taken to the extreme. What guidelines do you all have for starting? Yeah, guidelines is a big thing. William replies to that saying, starts with all ad spend from all channels. That's a great place for most businesses. If you get more advanced, you can loop in influencer spend, especially if there's a lot well, keep it simple with just all ad spend at first. Yeah, trying to know how to manage that can be a little bit hard. And William, yeah, continues his answer to question five saying, actually, I take that back. The biggest challenge is educating clients on what these numbers actually measure, how they work together and how to correctly evaluate ad spend after adopting this approach. People have grown to appreciate their ROAS crutch yeah people are just really going to just stick on what they know and yeah teaching them new ways of things can be very difficult Julie then gives her answer to question five saying there are multiple complicating factors especially if you want to have initiatives other than PPC in the model mix but I think the biggest challenge is a fundamental one and that is backing people off of the certainty that they felt with attribution one of the historical selling points of PPC has been you can track what your dollars are doing and put more where the return is highest. That is still true, but not in the absolute sense it has been perceived as before and the state it is now. So, yeah. So what do you think about that? The, about the fact that paid search, how much you put in, how much you get out? Because you're talking about maybe we go back to last click. And I don't know whether that's a good direction that we should go into, to be honest. I will say that, that the reason that, that, like, I think that the market will go there. By the way, it's not about, like, measuring conversions. It will measure predicted conversions mm. from the last click. Yeah. Because if you see, like, talking about when someone click my ad, again, I will put aside all the legion, all the very, very DR marketers, they can keep doing what they're doing. And I think this whole discussion is just less relevant for them. Yeah. going by a last click model. But when I'm in e-commerce, 
and someone I'm running a lookalike campaign on Facebook or I'm running a shopping campaign for someone like a non-brand campaign. Mm. Someone go and see my amazing yellow dress, okay, in my dress store. It's my goal as a marketer to understand what is the probability that this click, according to directions, according to other factors, will make this purchase eventually. It's going to be much, much harder. And I think this is one of the places that the market have to go to. I can open a whole discussion of, because if we won't do it as an industry, we will have here only two companies playing. They already have like 60% of the market, the Facebook, Google, Hmm. and like what happened like in, in Amazon that in their own ecosystem. And I think for us as an advertiser, this is something that, We need to understand that can't happen because the prices for everyone going to rise up. This is what Google and Facebook pushing. They wanted to be the only player. Google feeling very comfortable with being the only search player. Facebook feeling comfortable being the only like social player. Talking as an industry, we have to use different channels to understand how we can add value for CTV ads, for connected TV that's like or addressable TV, like TV ads, yeah. that how we can put the value and measuring the incremental lift because to do it for billboards and to do it for, for other channels because this is the way to grow. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then talking about more challenges, Sean Elliott agrees with um, you know everybody else saying that it's all about education and shifting clients to look at a different metrics and more holistic attribution as well. And then Judy takes us on to question six, saying, how do you think we need to be thinking and talking about attribution and success metrics in the future? How might MER factor into this for you? What do you think? I think the MER is super important when we want to summarize the campaign. Okay. When we want to understand, did we fail or did we succeed? Because the way that I like to work is like, again, not only for the media fees, but also for the agency and for the ad tech tax, the ad tax that we have to pay for brand safety and for other tax solution. Mm. I like to incorporate everything within the mirror, like talking about the media as a whole and not only like the ad dollars that go to Facebook, Google and, and the other ad platform. I think it's definitely relevant. I really don't remember the name, but I think that what marketers need to do is to be both from the client side and the agency side, to be much more educated, to understand the value of each metrics. Yeah. And then to go, I think that marketers, what was said in one of the discussions, and this is, I think, beautiful. Marketers and their agency need to say, this is the metrics I want to focus. And then to take all your efforts into this metric. And the tip, it needs to be strategic. It needs to be something valuable and scalable. Mm. It doesn't need to be Ross. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't need to be Ross. That's very true. So I want to get on this thread. I was going to see if I could try and avoid it, but it's a very interesting thread that 
Kirk writes out. So bear with us. It's quite, it's about six, seven tweets that I'm going to go through. So it's in reply to where Andrew had said, we in the industry appreciate it needs to become a helpful guideline, but as long as clients believe it's the gospel truth in the platform interface, we have a big challenge on our hands. Clear education piece to invest in or clients get frustrated and walk. Now Kirk starts off saying that this is hearsay of me to admit out loud, but in my opinion, we need to get to this point with all tracked revenue in ad channels. I think it's better to think in terms of directional conversion value and not specific transactions. Marketing journeys are so much more complicated than that i.e. I believe it's not just an attribution model that should be considered directional. I believe it is the revenue itself. This allows better focus on the marketing strategy, creative, etc., and focuses less on the specific tactical decisions, as odd as that sounds. We can probably all think of a client who gets this. They bid on specific terms, no matter the ROAS. They have created specific videos and identified the audience, and they spend lots of money on them regardless of ROAS. They believe in their strategy and grow. They make guiding decisions based on the ROAS and tracked revenue, and they utilize attribution for guiding decisions, but all of that is secondary to the strategy they have in mind for all channels. And I think that's a secret to a lot of these DTC brands who just grow. Last thing I'll note, been thinking of this as a blog post and haven't written it yet, but there is where Google ads beat me to the knowledge punch. It's always been conversion value for a reason. It's not actually specific revenue. It's directional value to guide the algorithm. That's very true. I always just assume conversion value is revenue, but Kirk makes a good point. Conversion value is just conversion value, not necessarily. So William Harris goes, um, yeah, right. They do a better job for the naming of that, but it still misleads people to think it's somehow the actual revenue the ad drove and it's not. Yeah, I do always think it's the revenue. Kirk continues, says, I and I would argue the industry at large haven't done a good in understanding this early enough and communicating it well to clients. So expectations have been set. I think we need to figure this out in the industry, like these conversations we're now having. Finally, I've long heard B2Bers lament that they don't have Insta results like us e-commerce PPCers, but flip side is that's made it easier for them to naturally focus more on the marketing side of things because they don't have this misunderstanding of revenue to get over. Yeah, Julie goes that, and we have spent years finding ways to make systems designed and optimized for e-commerce work for non-e-commerce. Perhaps we will lead the charge on this new frontier. Perhaps we will lead. Yeah, you and us. We'll, this PPC chat, we're going to lead a lot of talk and change. The card goes, we might be right. And yeah, great point. As privacy kicks in, revenue will become even less accurate because of attribution, modeling, predictions. Come on, it's smart, but still modeling, so not real data. Any thoughts on that? long thread by Kirk and Julie and Julia loads of talk about revenue and whether we actually seen accurate revenue at all. I think what I like, one of the phrases that I like the most that I heard from one of my clients is that we as an industry, we like to say how important are we and how mm. important does the campaign managers and you need the accurate analytics and you and you need this and you need this and, and this is what I did for years. Mm. 
Mm. But the fact is that I will embrace their, their phrase, thanks or is the guy that said it. A good strategy with an amazing campaign will give a very good result. Yeah. An amazing strategy and creative with an average a campaign manager mm. will give fantastic results. So mm. we're talking a lot about how we're important and we're talking about data and attribution and analytics. And we sometimes tend to forget that there are persons there yeah. and people actually see, assuming that we're buying like real traffic and not fraud, actually see our messaging. If we manage to touch their fears, to incentive them, to go and to buy this one or to use the service or to try the service, then we're going to make a lot of money and we're going to see an incredible Ross and LTV to CAC and Mayor and, and all the metrics will look fantastic because we build the right offer with the right creative, with the right yeah. strategy to the right audience. Person, yeah. So yeah. it's very, very nice that we say to ourselves, yeah, the media is everything and do search and do this. But our goal, we have to remember, is very, very simple. Mm. What we need to make sure as marketers, as an, as an industry, that the people that want to make a purchase will think about us the minute they want to buy from this category. Yeah. Yeah. It's taking back, you know, 30, 40, you know, the Sometimes I like to go back to marketing books that have been written in the 70s or the 90s. <laughs> and when you try to make the technological adjustment, you see that everything stays the same because yeah. the people haven't changed. We talk about social media and you have to do TikTok ads or Snap or Facebook or, oh, you don't advertise on Instagram. Oh, oh no. But no, <laughs> with us as marketers, we need to think what will make our audience think about our brand when he mm. wants to purchase this dress. Everything else is small details. Yeah. It's all about thinking about the customer. We never, we should make sure we never forget that. So yeah, we've talked a lot and oh Lord, guys. Please bear with us. I know we're probably going into close to an hour, if not over an hour, but just a couple more questions left. Second to last question, um, Julie asks us, which ad platform have you noticed being the most affected by trafficking and or attribution issues? What, give me one or two platforms, do you think? Uh, I know that uh, TikTok doing very well. Yeah. But it's require like very specific creative. Like if you take the Facebook ads, Normally, if you take the Facebook or the Instagram ads into the TikTok, it's a fail. By the way, it's the vice versa doesn't work. I saw many TikTok ads succeeding within Instagram stories. But I do. No yeah. vice versa. I saw the Instagram story ads fails in TikTok and oh. the TikTok ads succeed in the, in the Instagram In the Instagram. Interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. So TikTok tracking bets should be better. But William Harris replying, given his answer to question seven, saying the obvious answer is Facebook, but that's only because they've done the best job advocating on our behalf. This job advocating, so this affected all of the other app-based social platforms, just as much including YouTube and even 
affects paid search to a lesser degree. He continues, but what I think people often miss is that this affects all tracking, which includes Google Analytics, Shopify Analytics, etc. And beware of all the snake oil out there. So many people or apps claiming they have fixed something that all these giant ad platforms haven't fixed. There isn't a logical way for them to get around this that I've seen. Most of what I've seen is pure lies. Ooh, interesting. Um, and then we have um, Ashley, like, yeah, replying to William, we're talking about education, saying, um, Ashley goes, I suspect a lot of folks choose the wrong goals because they don't understand where in the buying cycle an ad should be or for what intent. Even if you're targeting the right people, it wouldn't work if your goals are off. William goes, so much agree. I hate when people ask, what's our best performing ad? Which stage for which ad group, et cetera? That's the nuanced question. Knowing what works when is more important. And then, yeah, we get to the last question from Julie going, if you're using MER, how are you tracking effectiveness across multiple platforms? Are you trying to track across multiple platforms yet? I think that the whole point of the MER is not to look on specific platform, but to yeah. look on all the platforms as a whole. Yeah. So, so it's really, really hard to address this specific question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even as just as a metric, I think we're just really discovering what it does, how it works. Yeah. It can be a hard question. Julia Vice replies to question seven saying Facebook is the one with tracking issues. William take, takes a stab at question eight saying that's the money question. The simple answer is testing scientific tests, including geo holdouts and other tactics to truly assess incremental performance and trends. It's not easy, but it's powerful if you do it right. Lawrence um, gives his answer to question seven saying it had a lesser impact on a more closed ecosystem like Amazon and using their campaigns, but I feel like it has impacted every platform to some degree. Facebook really pushed it, but everyone has been impacted by it as well. By the way, I would add that I really like the efforts that the native ads led by Output okay. Tabula are doing yeah. on this. I think they make lots of efforts in their programmatic lens, like programmatic media buyers, and how to enter data into the like DB360 or or buying via the trade desk. I think there is something really nice happening there. And again, yeah. I'm a fan of spreading our, our media, not only in those world garden, because it's a risky for us as an advertiser. Yeah, absolutely. And coming to our last answer that I'm gonna give today from our experts online, Julia Vice answers question eight saying, we used blended totals, so recall lift and brand lifts, sales, whatever that metric is. We start there and then dive into each channel to see how it contributed. And yeah, that brings us to our end of our chat today. Thank you very much, Edgar, for uh, joining us. I've really appreciated your input. I'm sure our listeners have taken, had a lot of useful takeaways, useful thought points and things to go back to their clients with, things to actually think of how to approach talking to the clients. I don't know if you'd be able to join us on Thursdays. This chat can continue on Twitter spaces. So if you want to join, that would be at 
5 p.m. GMT. So that would be seven o'clock your time, Edgar, <laughs> if that helps. And that'd be like 1 p.m. Eastern time in the UK. If you have any feedback about this podcast or any corrections on anything that you we've said, anything myself or Edgar have shared, please, you know, communicate with us. I think these kind of things should we should always have discussions about it. It's not about trolling people. It's just about challenging ideas and getting together to talk about it. Get me on my Twitter. Edgar, you're also on Twitter, aren't you? I'm also on Twitter. I have, I even joined early. I have like a Twitter handle, Edgar, E-T-G-A-R. Lovely. A very That's a beautiful, handle. yeah, very short. Like, yeah, very are, short. are we allowed? Are we allowed that short handles anymore? That must I don't think there are like five letters handles today. So, so I do have it. So you can free to tag me or to send me direct message or via Fantastic. LinkedIn again with slash Edgar. Very easy. I just want to say I had a great time. Lovely. Uh, we had a great time session, having, having yeah. this session and I enjoyed and I really hope, you know, that even like one marketer will measure his results uh, even mm. better as a result of this conversation then Fantastic. I can feel uh, and then I can feel good with myself. Amazing. Amazing. So finally, before we go, I would just like to give another shout out to our amazing sponsors, which are Opteo. They're an amazing automation tool that help you do more with your Google ads for a 60 day free trial. Check them out on opteo.com forward slash PPC chat. And finally, remember for your campaigns and businesses to glide smoothly, there's a lot of hard work needed beneath the surface. So keep your swans kicking. Bye. Speak to you next week. Say bye, Edgar. Bye bye. <laughs> Thank you so bye, much, Thank you everyone. Much. My pleasure. Our pleasure.